welcome back to Local Love on KUCI in Irvine. I'm your host, Kenzie, and today I'm here with Tom Johnson, Garrett Frank, and Frank Obregon, the president and two fellow members of the Los Angeles Carnivorous Plant Society. The LACPS is an informal club dedicated to discussing, growing, and trading carnivorous plants in Southern California. Today we discuss the history of the LACPS, why the group was founded, the learning opportunities available to those who want to participate, the importance of carnivorous plants both in and outside of the organization, and how the public can support the LACPS and their work. If you would like to learn more about the LACPS, keep listening or go to their website, lacps.org. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in and enjoy the interview. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Today I'm here with DJ Frank and Tom, the president and fellow members of the LA Carnivorous Plant Society. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. And like with so many people exploring new hobbies and passions right now in quarantine, I thought it would be a great opportunity to expose a lot of people to exciting and interesting organizations and collectives such as the LACPS. I was hoping for anyone that might not really know exactly what the LA Carnivorous Plant Society is, if anyone could kind of explain to new listeners exactly what it is and maybe a little bit about the history. Okay, so what it is, is we're kind of a loose collective, um, a, a group that is very unlike most plant societies. Um, my experience with plant societies has been that they're generally very organized and rigid in their structure, um, and they like to have goals and things that they're trying to achieve, and there's a lot of people out there who aren't real interested in that. They're just interested in growing plants, finding out about cool plants, showing off the cool plants that they've grown, maybe learning some things. And that was, that's pretty much what the LACPS is all about. It's a place where people who are interested in carnivorous plants can come and meet people who've been growing them for a long time, people who've been growing them for a short time. They can see plants that people are growing. They can bring their plants that they're growing. and it's more like a social club. It's just a very loose-knit uh, organization um, where people can enjoy some time together away from their normal lives with uh, normal people and interact with all the us weirdos who grow carnivorous plants. Yeah, I, I, started, I started a club in, I guess, apparently 1990. We lost track of that, so, so thank you very much, DJ. I appreciate that, the, the history. I was a seed bank coordinator for the uh, ICPS, which is International Carnivorous Plant Society. And I'm down here in LA, and I'm the only person I knew who grew carnivorous plants. It was a, it's a, it was a lonely, lonely hobby. If you, you go to the grave without knowing anybody. So you're growing these great plants, you don't have anyone to show them to, you don't have anywhere to get new plants, you don't have anyone to ask questions to. It, it was strange, you're just kind of a weirdo out there in the middle of nowhere. I had the, the mailing list from the seed bank and from the ICPS, and I went through that and I sent it out to everybody and contacted them and started, I got, I don't know, maybe our first year, five, 10 people and kind of grew. We're now in the Alhambra Chamber of Commerce. Uh, we've been there for, I don't know how many years. So this is our, our 30th anniversary and we can't even meet. <laughs> I mean, it definitely sounds amazing. When I found out that we did have a carnivorous plant society, I was like, 
this is the most cool thing. And I think that, you know, having carnivorous plants is something that is a very unique hobby. And I wish more people were into it. I think they're beautiful. I think they're fascinating. And it's really great to know that you guys are actually here and present. So if anyone wants to come in and like start learning about it before they actually start getting the plant, it's an amazing opportunity for them. And that's actually a very good, good point uh, that I forgot to mention is we do not have a formal membership roster, meaning anyone who wants to come to one of our meetings, when they check our website uh, and they see that we're having a meeting, they are welcome to come. We have had people who just wander in off the street into our meetings and say, what is this all about? And we say, we're talking about carnivorous plants, check them out. We don't say to them, no, this is a formal meeting. You can't come in. You're not a member. No, we welcome everyone in. We want new people coming in and checking out our plants and enjoying this hobby. I think yeah. overall, too, um, carnivorous plants tend to have a bad reputation amongst gardeners as uh, difficult to grow. And, you know, everybody has bought a, uh, a Venus flytrap from Lowe's or Home Depot and watch it wither away within a few weeks. Um, so that, um, that ease of access that uh, DJ was mentioning, I think Tom asked for like a a two or three dollar donation or something just to literally keep the lights on for our meetings for the value of the club um both to beginners and to experienced growers it's it's an unbeatable deal and i was going to ask too you know for those people that were wandering in um to those meetings if we weren't facing a pandemic right now what is like something that they would expect to see in a typical meeting first i'd have to face me asking for the three dollars <laughs> brutal and uh, so we, we do that and I try to introduce them to people. We, we try to greet them. We try to make them feel comfortable. Uh, we talk about the plants. Frankie and DJ are always making presentations. Uh, DJ, it just feels like he's been to every tropical zone you'd want to go to. And uh, Frankie brings a more scientific approach. He, he's very knowledgeable to the local uh, environment and so forth. And that's, that's fascinating too. So we, everyone brings, brings a different skill to it. And overall, it all mixes together, and I think we all have fun. So the meeting is, is basically you look up everybody's plants, you talk, you visit. We'll have a, a brief presentation. The gentlemen are great at that. And then everybody kind of just wanders off. Right. And like, what, what types of carnivorous plants can you expect to see there? Would you say like you get a handful of maybe common plants or possibly even rare ones? Definitely. It's uh, the, the members of the club are, uh, are uh, pretty diverse in their interests. Um, I, most people think uh, carnivorous plants are, um, you know, Venus flytraps. Maybe they know the pitcher plants. Maybe, maybe even fewer have seen the, uh, like the sticky plants. I think they're called octopus plants or something by their, uh, the trade name. There's a good probably 15 families of carnivorous plants, and most of the uh, families are represented by at least one or two of our local club members. Um, a lot of people end up specializing in um, really hyper niche focuses, I would say. Um, so there's people who bring plants that are incredibly rare, that like you almost wouldn't see anywhere else um, in the world. And then there's uh, people on the other side of the spectrum who bring mass quantities of more common plants to uh, hopefully uh, give the beginners or sell for cheap. The interests and uh, experience levels are all over the place. Pre-COVID, at least, it was a, a, a literal melting pot of uh, gardeners of all ages, all backgrounds, everything. 
and also just because we were talking a little bit about like the presentation on kind of like a, a scientific side is it like mostly members that would be presenting at these meetings or would you also have like outside speakers come in and teach as well well a lot of that depends on tom tom seems to have a lot of connections to people out in the hobby and so he's brought in a number of speakers from around the world from australia from england from japan from Mexico, he's, he's helped do that, as well as if he can't pull in someone like that, he drafts someone like me or Frank, make a presentation on some of our explorations in the local mountains or on the other side of the world. That's great to hear. And in your guys' opinions too, um, you know, how have you seen like a community form within the LACPS and like, how does the organization engage too with like just the public sphere? Boy. We haven't really done too much in outreach. It's not something that a lot of people warm up to. It's, it's kind of unique. You know, for instance, a typical meeting's 30, 35 people. I guess we could work that to get more, but then you get problems with growth. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say Tom actually has done a, a good job in letting the members do what they want to do. There, are, there have been in the past some members who have felt that they want to do social projects. They want to work with local gardens and plant a bog, something like that. Um, and Tom has given that information out to disperse it amongst the club members. So anyone who wanted to participate could participate. So it's generally been things of that nature. A single member takes it upon themselves to start an initiative. Tom lets the membership know and anyone who wants to be involved gets involved. It's worked out very well so far over the years. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, if you have something you want to do, you can get somebody else to do it with you, we'll, we'll support you on it. It's there. If you, this, you like to do this, then, then do it. And by all means, we're, we're, we're supporting you. But so uh, there are, of course, limits to that. But yeah, you know, we've, we've uh, I've been in, uh, and I'm sure DJ was there too. It's been a while. Uh, the uh, uh, Cal State Fullerton, they had an arboretum and they were setting up a bog. We went down and worked on that. We, we donated plants to the, to the Huntington. Uh, currently, there's just not much of an effort. It kind of got uh, kneecapped by COVID, but the um, Botanic Garden in um, Palos Verdes, I think it's called South Coast Botanic Garden. One of our members is uh, doing a lot of volunteer work there to uh, hopefully establish a uh, kind of respectable uh, carnivorous plant collection at that Botanic Garden. So we get all over uh, Los Angeles and greater Southern California. That's really wonderful to hear too, especially when it comes to like growing different parts, especially if someone has this really specific interest. It's really wonderful just hearing that there's multiple opportunities and multiple, you know, supports going on within the organization itself. And I was just going to ask too, for anyone that does want to join the LACPS, what are like the general expectations of its members? Well, my expectation is that they come and that they have fun and that they participate, you know, they, you know, talk to people, well, bring, bring in your plants. I mean, no matter how simple it is, you know, bring it in and show it off. You know, we, we, that's, uh, there's, there's nothing worse than a plant meeting without plants. You know, it, I can live without the people, but, without, but the plants really make the meeting. So if you're going to the meeting, bring plants. If you don't have plants, come to the meeting planning to, to find some and learn about them. You know, don't just take somebody else's, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it's fun. I, I have fun. I go every time I go because these, these people are my friends. I mean, that's what it's growing. We've been in business 30 years, if business is the right term. 
And uh, we're the second oldest carnivorous plant society in the United States. I don't know where that puts us in the world, but I've known some of these people for 30 years and it's just, it's special. I look forward to plants. I look forward to seeing the people. Definitely. And I'd like to take a moment to remind the listeners that you're listening to Local Love on KCI in Irvine. And if you'd like to learn more about KCI, you can find us at kci.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Local Love, you can find our recently updated page on kci.org under the Thursday Shows tab. And there you can find any of the Local Love information and additional contact information and the link to the blog where you can find future guests and past shows. I'm your host, Kenzie. And if you're tuning in now, I'm just speaking with Tom, DJ, and Frank, all members and president of the LACPS. And we were just talking about the history of the organization, how it came to be and why. And just in your guys' opinions too, why is like your work with the LACPS important to not only you, but the community as well? I think personally, um, just from my perspective, I'm, uh, I guess not anymore, but for a long time, I was one of the uh, youngest members. And within the last maybe two years, I would say, there's been an explosion in um, interest of carnivorous plants, especially from younger people, I would say. And I think the fact that uh, like the club exists and it's so warm and welcoming um, has really done a service for the plants that we all care about. Carnivorous plants certainly for a long time have kind of been the, uh, I almost want to say like the nerdy plants where like, you know, they don't quite have the orchid you, they're not as um, easy to grow and like ubiquitous as like cacti. But with the advent, especially of uh, social media and like all the really like strange kind of like hyper exotic things being shared, the interest has really uh, exploded for these plants and uh, it's cool that we're here to be able to uh, help in some way. Now the, the, the plants out there have really, have always been there, but they were never available. So it's been very exciting when 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 DJ and I started the club 30 years ago. There are these old books. You look at them, you see pictures of plants. You go, wow, that's neat. Wouldn't it be neat to have that? And and then you see this. One. Wow, they're they're all everything was exotic. Uh, now those exotics, nobody even looks at them twice. Uh, so so things things have changed. It becomes so many plants are available. Uh, there's a species called Nepenthes, or you never saw them. 30 years ago. They're very rare. You know, you've spoken of hushed tones. It was very, it, they were sacred. It, it's just so special. And you'd, you'd hold one up in, in your hands and you'd, you'd look at it and it'd be, it'd be such a special moment. And, and now you, you go to the meeting and they're all over the, all over the club. You know, everybody has, everybody can grow them. Uh, so things have, things have changed so much. We still speak in them of reverence, but it's, it's not the same. It was a good point Frankie made about how he used to be like one of the youngest members. And that's one thing that's been very important about our club and where it's been very important to the community. I have seen, having been one of the founding members, so many people that came to the first meeting, their first meeting, and they were only like six or seven years old, little grade schoolers. And I have seen them grow up into adults. Some of them have gone on to earn college degrees in botany and in biochemistry because there's a lot of biochemical processes that go on with the with the carnivorous plants and it's very ornate and evolutionarily they're very interesting this club has engendered an intellectual interest in these in these young kids that they made it their careers in, in, for their lives so i think that's been a very very important aspect of the club another area where i think it's important is that most of these plants grow in very specialized environments. 
and they're very endangered, many of them. And we help educate people on the importance of the wetlands and the specialized niche environments that these plants grow in and how they need to be preserved and educate people on that because we are losing our wetlands at a tremendous rate. Areas where some of the American pitcher plants grow, those environments are probably down to about 5% of what they were even 50 years ago. I'm roughly, you know, guesstimating on that. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's been just a tremendous amount of development, human development and exploitation of environment that has destroyed the carnivorous plant environment. So we help educate people on that. So hopefully people become aware of what their footprint is on this planet Earth in regards to these plants as well as others. It's very exciting. Many of them come from very ex exotic locales. Uh, for instance, the one that I, I always think about, the ones, there's some that grow in the Tapuis in Venezuela. Fantastic. I, I saw that as, as a little kid. I, I watched the movie where the dinosaurs are up on the Tapuis. They, they, they missed, they'd missed time. And that's really, really what happened. And the Tapuis are still missing time, which is great. Because it's preserving a very rare species. And, and they're still finding them. And that's, that's part of the excitement of carnivorous plants. There always seems to be a new plant being found in some bizarre location. A lot of them are in Indonesia, a, a lot of things. So it's, to me, it, it's, there are a lot of them come from far off lands and there's an ex, exotic touch to it that's it's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, that was actually something I was really surprised to learn about too, because I did a lot of research, unfortunately, after I got my plant um, and not before it, was um, after researching it, I, I had no clue that we even had carnivorous plants native to the U.S. and like, especially in the like, Carolina bog area. I was like, are you kidding me? I thought these things were like straight from like the jungle. And I was like, these are really native here. And so I feel like this organization having these learning opportunities present help people like me not be oblivious to like the care and just the background of these plants. Definitely, people are, uh, they get really surprised to learn that there's um, California native carnivorous plants too. Uh, we have our own pitcher plant that grows in California. There's um, sundews. Um, there's another type of sticky plant that uh, is basically just found here. Um, and like you said, it's it's amazing what uh, the mind shift I guess people have. It turns out, oh, fly traps didn't come from some hot, steamy jungle. Or like, oh, maybe I shouldn't keep them inside until they die. And it's interesting to see people learn. Definitely. And we're just going to take a quick message from KUCI. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. And welcome back to Local Love on KUCI in Irvine. I'm your host, Kenzie, and to catch up anyone that just tuned in now, I'm here with Tom, DJ, and Frank, the president and fellow members of the LA Carnivorous Plant Society. I was just going to ask you guys as well, what is something that you would like the listeners to know about carnivorous plants? Uh, both important and somewhat sad is that um, the habitat and natural uh, community for carnivorous plants is uh, very much degraded. It's, it's their, uh, their natural habitats are next to nothing compared to what they used to be. So a, a big topic in um, our little carnivorous plant world is um, conservation through cultivation. And so that means that the conservation efforts for most of these plants are based in um, artificial cultivation. So basically in people's yards and nurseries, things like that. 
Um, and unfortunately, um, at this point, more carnivorous plants exist outside of nature um, in cultivation than exist in nature outside of cultivation growing wild. So um, I think it's really important to just uh, take account of that and kind of realize that the power to uh, essentially save these plants is in our hands. There's a lot of good efforts, uh, both by our group, groups all around the world, um, to conserve these plants. But uh, I think it's really important for people who even have a passing curiosity to uh, at least grow one or two, just to kind of help them out. These plants require pristine water. The water has to be clear, it has to be pure. Uh, impurities will, will kill the plants. And, and I, I think what, what Frank is saying about conservation and all, if these, if these plants disappear, that's a loss of, loss of clean water. And, and you know that human, humankind and, and everyone else needs clean water. So as these plants are going, so will, so will the human race probably. I, I think it's very important. And yeah, that definitely brings up to like the idea of caring for these plants properly as well. Because I know when I was doing some research on like caring for um, my little Venus flytrap, they were saying that I have to use like distilled water, which is something I've never really heard about a lot of any of the other plants that I own. And I was going to ask too, like because you know a lot of these carnivorous plants have specialty care. Um, what are the pros and cons of caring for the carnivorous plants, and what are the challenges of caring for these plants? Well, I'm going to say I can't think of any cons because I think they're just really cool to grow. So, <laughs> although I guess one con would be that um, some of them can be difficult. And if you buy a, what we affectionately refer to as the death cube, Venus flytraps or, you know, pitcher plants that you get at the big box stores and you kill it within a week, that can be pretty disheartening. So that's kind of a con is that Many for new people, they come in, they don't, they, they try and take care of the plant the way uh, you would normally take care of a plant. And that's, mm, these plants need a little bit different, they need easy care, but different care than what you do with, an, with a regular plant. And so that would be really the con. The pro is that you're growing a really cool looking plant and a very interesting plant. And, and a plant that is, speaking evolutionarily, one of the most complex organisms on the planet. And when you get to grow that and see that prosper, you really feel uh, like you, a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I, I like the, the con of the water. It is, it's, you just don't have distilled water around the house. So maybe you have a really good water filter, you might be okay. Uh, or you can buy a water filter or you can go to a grocery store and for 35 cents, get a gallon of water. and. And, and fight with the machine because it keeps half your money and, and stuff like that. But yeah, so the, for me, to me, the water's been, been very difficult and sometimes temperatures. Uh, some of them are like it cold, some like it warm. But, but it, if, you're, if you want to grow these plants, it, that becomes part of the challenge of growing the plants. So, so what is actually a con becomes a pro because you don't want to grow something too easy. You don't, want to, you don't want to go to a meeting and bring in a plant that's really easy to grow. Look how well I did in this. You want to bring in a plant that everybody you know, jaws hit the ground. So, so there's some excitement that way. The, uh, the main bit of advice I give people is um, to give the carnivorous plants a lot more sun than they think and to just never let them dry out because that's, um, even if you're using subpar water, they can at least persist on that water for a little bit, but um, oftentimes people will forget about them for a day or two and they just uh, die immediately. Um, many of the um, the more readily available plants that people start with are literally swamp growers. Uh, so they grow in um, very bright, 
uh, very sunny swamps, which means bright light and lots of water. Um, and so in the world of uh, growing plants, those two things tend to be sort of yin and yang, where the more light you give something, the less water want to stick around, you know, it wants to evaporate. Um, so it's a little bit of a tricky balance to strike at first, but um, most of these carnivorous plants actually are pretty, uh, pretty tough plants. Uh, in, in, in a lot of cases, they're um, in the natural world, they're some of the first plants to come back to an area after a natural disaster, like a fire or something. And it's their uh, carnivory that kind of gives them a step up over the competition. Um, so they're not these, uh, these meek kind of weak plants that some people think they are. Yeah, I was going to say too, as far as pros and cons and easier challenging, that's one of the beauties of carnivorous plants is it's a spectrum from easy to challenging. So anyone coming in, although there's not really like a cruise control carnivorous plant, but as long as you got the distilled water and you got sufficient light, there actually are cruise control carnivorous plants that really need very little care other than that distilled water and the sufficient light. And then you can go all the way up the spectrum to plants that are really, really challenging and really um, challenge your skills and abilities as a grower. So that's the thing that's nice. You can find your level that you want to be at and there's a plant for you. And how has the LACPS adapted to COVID regulations? Um, boy, um, I, we, we're following them, and which means that basically we don't meet. And uh, there's been some correspondence. We have a, a listserv, but it's been pretty quiet. Everybody's very quiet. Yeah, um, I mean, I know that some of the other plant clubs have tried to do some workarounds. Um, there's, there's one that's going to be having a meeting this coming weekend um, where they're meeting out in the park, out in the open. Um, they had one earlier where they were meeting more or less in an enclosed space. They had a plant sale. I attended that, but felt very uncomfortable with that. And we don't want any of our members to feel uncomfortable in our, in our meeting space. It's not a large space. So if we were to follow COVID regulations of, you know, people per square foot, we could have maybe five people show up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's not really, uh, re really working. We want, we want to make sure that our members are all safe. So yeah, we've, suspended our meetings for now, but hopefully once things resume, we can uh, go back to, to full meetings and we like having people, we'll have people showing up and bringing plants and showing them off again. Right. And in your opinion, um, why should communities support organizations like the LACPS and how can we do that? Well, I think just by showing up meetings, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's really the main thing because you show up at a meeting, you get to meet people, you make friends, you find out what they're doing, you find out if what they're doing is something that you wanna do, and if it is, you do it, and that's supporting them because you'll help, help them reach their goals. Why, why should they? Well, because it's fun, you know? You go out there and you're meeting people, um, and, and it gives you a rewarding personal experience, and you may learn some things that you didn't know before about the, about the environment and uh, increases increases social awareness of things. So I think I, I think those are important reasons to support organizations like the LACPS. Yeah, we, we offer an educational service and, and, and kids have grown up, as, as DJ said earlier, kids have grown up through us, uh, learned hobbies, learned to improve themselves. So we're out there. Uh, one of our major problems has been the lack of, of reasonably priced meeting space. Meeting space seems to become a, a a premium, a very hot commodity. 
uh, you can't get a meeting place for, for under a couple hundred dollars, which makes it very difficult. I mean, we're, we're trying to, we try to stay low end on the price. You know, $3, you, you can't, you know, $3, that, is, that doesn't even take you to Starbucks. Two hours entertainment and, and, and education, that's a great price. And unfortunately, if we get a larger location than the Alhambra Chamber of Commerce, then we're, we're going to pay a lot more and then the members have to pay more. I, I, I like to stay on the, on, the, on the low end price wise. I think that's a good thing. It brings the kids in. We can price our kids out and, and I don't want to do that. Right. And, and for the last question of the day, um, I was going to ask you guys, um, what are the future plans and goals for the LACPS? We're just waiting for this pandemic to kind of run its course and, and finish with things so we can return to the normal meetings that we had. Um, you know, our informal gatherings of people showing off their plants and uh, learning about plants and hearing from a good speaker and having a good time. You know, we want to we want to create a framework and a forum so that people can come in, have a good time. And if there's something more that they want to do, provide the support um, for their project that they want to do within the world of the carnivorous plant society. Perfect. And thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. It was absolutely wonderful hearing everything about the LACPS and what y'all do. It was really great. And I know for me, at least, I'm definitely going to be checking out the LACPS once COVID is coming to an end. It's a wonderful opportunity and I don't want to miss it. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Thank you so much for tuning in to Local Love on KCI in Irvine. And thank you to Tom, Dara, and Frank for being on the show today. If you're interested in checking out the LA Carnivorous Plant Society, you can find their website at lacps.org. You can also find their social media by searching the handle Los Angeles Carnivorous Plant Society on Facebook and LA Carnivores for their Twitter. Once again, I'm your host, Kenzie, and thank you so much for tuning in to this season of Local Love. We'll be back in the winter quarter, but for now, thank you so much for listening.